live via Skype. Welcome to the DB&J Wrestling Podcast for the week of May 6, 2014. I'm your host, Turbuckle Jim, and with me are... Chair Shot Donnie, I'm back. Hey, everybody. Fast Count Brian, welcome back, Chair Shot. <laughs> yes, welcome back indeed. Um, so tonight we have a pretty full show. It's after wrestling pay-per-view, so we're going to do our review of Extreme Rules, followed by our Raw recap, followed by our pay-per-view retrospective, which was uh, King of the Ring 97. Um, hopefully it'll be the last bad pay-per-view I choose to watch. Um, and then finally we're going to do our top five storyline what-ifs. So uh, let's get this thing started. You guys excited? Yeah. I'm extremely excited. You're extremely, are, you, are you extremely ruled? Never mind. This is horrible. <laughs> uh, speaking of horrible, did anybody watch uh, WeLC? Yeah. Yeah. I, I missed it. Uh, what did you think of it, uh, Brian? Oh, man. Like, usually I'm not for like that kind of stupidity, but holy crap. Like, they had like, the, uh, like a, a midget announce table. They like midget like rip off announcers, midget ref, midget announcer. They had, like short ladders, short tables. Every short joke you could put in a wrestling match, they did, and it, I thought it was hilarious. They pulled it off really well. I loved it. Yeah, it was it was legitimately funny. Like I, I I found myself dreading it when it started, and by the end of it, I was totally into it because it was it was hilarious. Well, I'm sad I missed it. And I'll probably go back and watch it again. I recommend it. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, that's that's good to hear. Uh, so moving on to uh, the actual wrestling, we start out with a Super Bowl Cesaro versus Jack Swagger versus Rob Van Dam triple butt. Um, kind of the match I was expecting, except they added in Rob Van Dam. I thought this was was good, um, but Swagger left too early, and uh, the whole elimination thing I think wasn't very clear, especially in the announcers. <laughs> yes. Um, like, they, were they, they didn't even know what kind of match they were doing. Right. Um, I loved it when Swagger got pinned and Michael Cole was like, Oh, oh, uh, uh, what, what? what? <laughs> like, we did not do research on this, folks. Yeah, it was, maybe it was um, a two count. Oh, it was so funny. Yeah, I thought this match was, was good. Um, what did you think, Brian? Man, like, I almost thought they were going to pull a Vince McMahon. It's like, one, two, three. Oh, no, it was two. Damn. You know, but, uh, yeah, I was confused by that, too. But um, I guess, I, I don't know, maybe they have something more in line for Swagger because maybe they want Cesaro pinning him. I don't know. I mean, I, but as far as the match is concerned, I mean, it was okay for what it was. I mean, serviceable. I had no issues with it. Yep. Donnie? Oh, yeah. It was the same to see Jack the Afterthought Swagger go out so early. It was, um, it should have been just RVD versus Caesar. The only reason that Swagger was in the match is because of that whole breakup of things. And, and he was, it, it was, he was barely in the match. I mean, he took, he took the, um, the swing and, and, you know, a couple of spots from RVD, but they, I guess they didn't want them to do on the other opponent. But overall, I, I like the match. I would have liked it more if it was RVD versus Cesaro without the uh, swagger stuff. Agreed. Um, anyway, moving on, we have uh, another match I kind of skipped to. This one about the break match here. Alexander Rusev defeated R-Truth and Xavier Woods via submission on a two-on-one handicap match. Donnie? Check out my, check out this awesome, awesome, um, um, thing of the crowd that I'm about to do is an awesome impression of the crowd. Listen, and there it was. Funny, I couldn't hear anything. Yeah, neither could I when Rusev was fighting. I, he, he's just—I don't think it's working. I like the the gimmick, the '80s style. I mean, that's totally an '80s style gimmick he's got going on, but it's just—it just is not working for me. And poor R-Truth and Xavier Woods. Yeah, poor guys. So it really is. is 
Alexander Rusev going to have to like beat up every single black man in the company? Is that what his whole gimmick is? Hey, that's um, you got to ask Vince about that. I don't know because like he took on like uh, Kobe Kingston the next day. It's just like come on, like, get him with some white boys and fight him. Come on, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> right. Maybe Donald Sterling's got some WWE stock. You don't know. Oh, oh. Kind <laughs> of Vince. Yeah. Anyway, I you know, I mean, I, I like the whole, I kind of like the gimmick, mainly just because of whatever her name is, um, something. Yeah, except for, like, if, if they're going for the full Russian gimmick, shouldn't she have, like, a unibrow? I mean... No, 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 no. No? No unibrow? Okay, okay. That's more of the Ukrainian women. They're actually fighting oh. a war about that right now. Oh, what about the unibrows? <laughs> yes. How <laughs> dare you, that's our style. <laughs> no, um, yeah... I just look at the guy and I'm thinking it's just Vladimir Kozlov like four years later. So I mean, yeah, unless he he's just sucking the air out of the arena. So unless they give something exciting like Santino as his tag team partner, I'm not going to care. It's like the it's like the evil son of Kozlov and Umaga. It's it's yes. Kozlov Maga. <laughs> yeah, I think I, probably the best thing to do. Well, we'll get to that in a moment. Actually, what I think the best thing is going to be for him. Moving on, so we have. Bad News Barrett defeating Big E for the Intercontinental Championship. This is going to kind of a little breakfast. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I thought this was a pretty good match. I, I'm loving the whole Bad News Barrett thing. He's owning the gimmick, and it's working great. Uh, Brian, what do you think? It's going to sound cheesy, but like, so if it's like a continental breakfast match, could you have like Eggs Benedict as his finisher? I mean, <laughs> that's, no, that's right. Okay, anyway, put him... Um, I mean, for it being predictable, I mean, it was it was it was a good match. It's just like you felt like everybody was a hundred percent behind Barrett because whatever Fallen Biggie had was was as quiet as the Rusev match. Like there was just no one on his side at all. I said the fans are kind of going to the next thing. So yeah, pretty sad. Donnie, what do you think? Yeah, Biggie's limited mic skills, and I mean, he's got he has a unique look, but I wouldn't say it's a very charismatic look. Um, so I think it's I think it's easy for the crowd to get behind somebody like Barrett in this match because he is the one with the hotter gimmick. He is the one with better mic skills, and we haven't seen him in so long. But it's it's been refreshing to actually see him in the ring. The only thing I'm really confused about is like if your name is Bad News Barrett, I don't really understand like a cape to the ring. Like I was I was a little bit like huh, uh, but uh, newspaper or something like that. I'm not sure. Just just I'm reading some bad news right now. Or like a little like. Suit like million dollar man used to wear. I don't know. Just uh, a cape was weird. Well, he uh, had a cape before, like in, when he was just regular Wade Barrett, right? Oh, did he? I, think I don't. Yes. I yeah, don't even remember. Yeah. yeah, but now he's bad news. He's got a, bad news. It doesn't matter. I got some bad news for you, Donnie. Capes are cool. <laughs> but hey, he the Intercontinental title is more relevant around his waist than it is Big E's. So That's I'm true. And I think I really love the fact that they had a tournament for the number one contender. I mean, the, the really, I think this was almost a bigger championship match then, well, in terms of, like, hype and promotion, then the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. We'll get to that in a second. So, overall, that was pretty good. Uh, speaking of awesome, though, um, we have The Shield cleanly beating Evolution in a six-man tag team match that really was more awesome than it deserved to be, I think. Um, and that's pretty pretty high. I thought this was a great match. I loved the, the sick bumps that people were taking that made, uh, like Rollins, Reigns, and Dean Ambrose were put on super strong by Evolution. Um, what do you think about Donnie? Yeah, I mean, I think there's something to be said for all the crap everybody gives Orton, Batista, and, and Triple H. Like, they really did a really good job this match. Uh, you know, 
as limited as Batista has been in his return, um, I think he did all right. He took a lot of the beating. <laughs> I mean, he really did. And maybe for the better, because, you know, I mean, Orton doesn't sell very well, and Triple H is, you know, a little older. So maybe it's the best that Batista was the one that took it. Either way, uh, I love this match. Seth Rollins is is Seth Rollins. He's he's awesome. Yeah, I'd um, love to see a Seth Rollins versus Daniel Bryan match. That would be, I, I, I agree. And, and I think, to a certain extent, he kind of fills that role that CM Punk left, that, that void of... The guy that's not the biggest, but he's not the smallest, and he's you know he's capable of so much in the ring. I think I think he's got that. Um, and you can say you know a bunch about the other two as well from the Shield. Uh, I like the match. I think this you know a triple threat or a six man tag is really hard to pull off, uh, and they did it really well. This was just a fight. Yeah, Brian. Yeah, as far as a dream match, I'd love Seth Rollins uh, getting rid of Jeff Hardy, but that's just me. Yeah. Um, yeah, that I, I love that because like because when he when he did that uh, dive on the evolution, it reminded me of like all the stuff that Jeff Hardy used to do. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked it. Jeff but, Hardy you know, Willow though. Oh, of course, of course. Now you know what's uh, what's funny. I, I, the whole time that they're out in the stands and the fans fighting, I, I felt like it gave Batista and Roman Reigns like a nap break because like <laughs> oh, 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 I'm hurt for like ten minutes and I can't get up, you know, like, but. The match was was fantastic. I mean, they tried their best, but they they couldn't. For me, they couldn't top the the one against the Wyatts at Elimination yeah, Chamber. That was probably like the, I would see the match of the year at this point going forward. It was just that damn good. So, but yeah, I, I was still very excited, and it was, it was a dream match. And I never thought that we would continue to see Shield past WrestleMania. So, awesome for everybody. Indeed. All right, moving on. Uh, before I. Uh, mess up my pants. Um, we have, speaking of the Wyatt family, the Bray Wyatt defeating John Cena in a cage match, I guess? I don't know. It's like you put the cage up there, John, but you kept on trying to escape it, and then you kept on getting blocked by Harper and Rowan, and that was just... Just pin him, okay? I mean, you could just, just take a measure and pin him. Uh, That's what I was thinking the entire match, and I thought this was good, but it wasn't as good as WrestleMania. Uh, Brian, thoughts? Um... Yeah, the WrestleMania match was better. I mean, you kind of had a thought that Bray Wyatt had to win or Cena was going to have to do this whole turn the heel and just go ballistic kind of thing. But the whole kid with the, what, the poultry guy's gimmick or whatever the, you know, like the, he, he sounded like he was possessed. Insidious? Yeah. Uh, by the way, did anybody guess who, uh, who the father of that kid is? No. He was actually Jameson, if you remember him. Oh, the nerdy guy. The nerdy guy, yeah. Wow, um, that was obscure son. manager reference. Well, when you bring your kid to the ring and have, like, Ooh, six, like, previous, like, To tell you the truth, the kid did more than what Jameson's tag team he managed ever did. Bushwhackers are horrible. Uh-huh. On that, oh, but no. Um, yeah, the match the match was the match yeah, was decent. Anyway. I mean, you know, you knew why it was going to win, but just the way he won was Cena like, why is this seven or eight-year-old kid talking creepy to me? What am I supposed to do? I mean, come on. Where is this going? What really? This match had one of the, like, I sus- we, we all suspend a lot of um, our belief for wrestling, obviously. Um, but it had one of the worst spots for a cage match that I think I've seen in recent memory. And that is the, uh, the Eric Rowan climbing up, meeting John Cena, putting his head between Cena's legs, and just marching him right back up into the cage. Like, I was like, this is what? <laughs> like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, Otherwise, I thought it was a great match. That spot, though, just totally took me out of it. I laughed at it, and I don't think that's what they were going for. Um, 
so yeah, it was uh it was you know, I like the little um I thought it was very insidious like uh for you know, horror movie people. Um you know, the little kid looks exactly like the kid on the cover of the D V D uh or Blu ray. Um so yeah, you know, it's it was a whatever match. Uh more about like like typical Wyatt matches, it's more about psychology than in the ring and um overall the right guy won again, so All right, well, next up we have Paige defeating Tamina Snuka, and what I thought was an okay match, but I figure that, you know, Paige really needs a better opponent so they can really put him in the clinic. Um, uh, I love you, Paige. Uh, it was, this was hilarious. Michael Cole referred to as, referred to Tamina Snuka as the son of Jimmy Fu of Superfight Snuka, and I, I, I had to, I had to <laughs> just mention that real Wow. He's just it was a bad night for him, yeah. Um, stuff left and right. Like, he's yes. Like the backstabber, like the backbreaker. And it's just like, dude, you work for this company. You said this move like a thousand times. I will times say, this I'm, sorry. The yeah. oh, I'm sorry, the scorpion crosslock to me is the best, uh, it's the best submission hold in wrestling right now. But men or women, that, that is an awesome move. Yes. So, no, I was just thinking, like, I you know, as bad as Cole was, anybody remember Mike Adamley? <laughs> Jeff Harvey. Yeah, Jeff Harvey. Yeah. <laughs> that was horrible. Um, but no, like I mean, I thought I, mean, I thought it was okay for what it was. I thought it was gonna be a bathroom break, but I was kind of interested to see what Paige could do. But she looks especially albino, or she did that night. Like I don't know if it's the lighting, but she looked really pasty white. Like well, like, like like she needs a tan, like a tanning bed, like stat. She's British like Seamus, so they've got that mayonnaise, you know, porcelain skin, sir, porcelain. Well, there you go. Make make them a team called Blinded by the Light. I don't know. <laughs> that is awesome. All right. Next up, we have uh, main event, which actually kind of surprised me. This was the main event. I thought they would put this down the card, but uh, good for them for keeping this as the last match. Good for them. Um, Daniel Bryan defeated Kane in a uh, Extreme Rules match, which I thought was pretty damn creative. They had uh, let's see here, flying projectiles into cars. Uh, throwing people on cars, uh, forklift, playing table. It really has some stuff I haven't seen before, but I haven't seen in a while, so I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, but I thought this was actually a really good match. What did you think on it? Uh, yeah, I, I was actually really, really into it, because I mean, uh, most of these matches you think are foregone conclusions, but, you know, like they did a lot to sell, sell Kane as like he's a legitimate monster again. And I thought the whole bringing back on the pallet, the forklift, was, was kind of cool. And then just, like, dumping back into the ring. And then, like, he did a, what, dive off of the, the pallet itself. Yeah. Like, you can't beat that stuff. Like, I thought the whole thing was fantastic. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, for a predictable ending, um, you know, it, it, I mean, everybody kind of knew this was Daniel Bryan's match to win. Um, and uh, even though, that, despite that, they still made it really good. And, and that, you know, it made... It made the WWE Network worth it another month. That's the best thing I can say. Is like, oh, that was that was really good. A nice main event for, uh, you know, you can look back and say Extreme Rules. They had a really good Extreme Rules match, and and that's you can't always say that about all the Extreme Rules matches. I think every single pay per view that we've done so far that they that for the recent ones, like the last three have just been outstanding. Yes, yeah, they've done. So I mean, it's definitely you're getting quality pay per views every single time, and the booking's strong, the wrestling's great. So what what more can you ask for? Mm -hmm. So overall, I would actually give this this uh, pair of you an A. I think it was just just that solid. It was a good uh, good follow up to WrestleMania. What do you think, uh, Donnie? Yeah, I, I would give it like a 
B, B plus. I'll go Optimist, B plus. Um, it was just seemed like it was missing something, and I don't know which. Maybe it was a good tag team match or something. But, yeah, well, uh, yeah, well, it was a good tag team match. Between well, I mean, the, the, the three-on-three. Uh, yeah, yeah. But the Usos, I don't know. It, it was just missing something, and I'm not sure what it was. But, you know, B plus, it, it was a really good show. I would recommend it, if you haven't seen it, to, uh, to look it up, because it was worth watching, definitely. I'll tell you, I know exactly what was missing. War games. Yes, well, I think they're going to save war games. I really wish they would save it. Yeah, like the Wyatt's Evolution and the Shield all in, like, a double cage match. I mean, just saying, it'd be, it'd be fantastic. <laughs> Write that down, uh, Vince. I know you're listening. Uh, i give it an A. I liked it. It was really good. A minus. A minus. All right, so well, it's pretty good stores. All right, so that concludes... Extreme Rules 2014. Um, moving on to Raw. Um, starting out with a U.S. United States Championship Battle Royal. Like the best way for Dean Ambrose to lose his belt is against 19 other guys. They really put up all stops against him. Uh, and I thought the, the opening was kind of boring, um, but the ending was really cool. With like the more guys they lost, the better it became. And uh, eventually, Sheamus won it uh, to the chagrin of all the fans. Uh, but I think he's going to be a better U.S. champion. And uh, uh, Dean Ambrose is right now, and definitely can use the belt a bit better having some guy who's outside of a major group right now. Donnie? Yeah, um, you know, I, I think I, I've read rumors that Sheamus might be turning heel, um, and, and there's a pretty good argument to be made about the you know U.S. champion being an Irishman. Like you know, they're, they're, that's a natural heel uh, direction to take if that's how they want to take it. Either way, um, he. It's great. It's great for that belt. The great things that have happened in the last two nights between Barrett and Sheamus is that those titles that are around their belts ultimately become way more over than they were on the previous guys. I mean, Ambrose is way over, and I love Ambrose, but the title wasn't being used. Um, now it means something because Sheamus has it, and it's going to be whoever they pair him with. It's going to be awesome. Uh, you know, I almost wish it was Christian, but I guess we're not going to see that. Yeah, this whole thing is really confusing to me. Like, they made such a big deal about merging the heavyweight titles, but you have one heavyweight title and two mid-card belts? Like, that just doesn't make any sense. Well, other companies have done two mid-card belts in a bit Yeah, but they... So I think to put more legitimacy back with the Intercontinental title, you should just merge it with the U.S. belt. So, big, like, you know, Sheamus is the next opponent. Bad news, Barrett. Make it happen. Um, but... British versus Irish. The oldest story there is. Exactly. You know, but as far as, the, like, that battle royal goes, he, he knew he was, Ambrose was going to lose the match, but it had to be him being the last two. Otherwise, no one would have cared, like, after he was eliminated. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of uh, that being him being at the end, but I, Seamus, yeah, he's already been there before. Yeah. All right, so moving on. Uh... I thought the segment itself was pretty good in the end. Uh, Rob Van Dam versus Cesaro. Uh, and uh, pretty much the match I should have given us the night before. I thought this was uh, was decent. Uh, Cesaro won via... Uh, actually, Van Dam won via DQ. Because um, Cesaro actually kind of went heel with the corner. Uh, and trapped uh, Van Dam there. Put him on a submission move. So this was okay, but uh, could have been better. Donnie? Yeah, um, I... It, it seemed like Rob Van Dam and, and Cesaro had a better match on Sunday night without Jack Swagger in the ring than they did on Monday night. 
However, like, how awesome is RVD? The, the guy doesn't doesn't age. You know, I mean, yes, granted, he's wrestled pretty much the same match since 1997, but it's still, like, the guy can, can go, and, uh, and Cesaro and him, I like the chemistry that they have. Not a great match, but not a bad match. No, I think they're going to put it on something better in the future. Uh, Brian, what do you think? Yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, it's it's about time. I know people are, like, you know, big fans of Cesaro's, but if he's a Paul Heyman guy, generally you're not supposed to get cheered, so you got to start acting a little heelish yeah, you gotta be a heel. yeah. to get those reactions. All right, so next up we have a long Ray Wyatt uh, segment, which was just him talking about some really crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. Um, I could probably watch this for hours. Um, speaking of crazy, Brian, your thoughts? I, I have to say that every time this guy talks, I, I am hooked. Uh, I don't... I'm not necessarily a big fan of hindsight. I can't really follow the buzzards, but I will tell you that I think he's by far and away like their most talented guy on the mic right now, and I love everything he does. Yeah, yeah I agree. I mean, it's every time he's on TV, like it's it's like okay, everything quiet down. Like, don't even look at the phone because this guy holds your attention. Um, and and that's that's rare, man. I I was actually wondering. Like, what is the longevity of this character? How, how long, how far can they take this, and how long can they take it? And, and I don't know, um, but um, I'll be along for the ride because, it, as of yet, it's still fresh. Yeah, I agree, too. And, um, yeah, I think everything with Wyatt so far has been almost pretty much perfect, the way they brought him in and the way they've been pushing him and uh, making him look very strong. So, yeah, I think pretty much, uh, I don't know, this guy's a little bit for this guy. He probably could, I, I can easily see this guy being champion easily. No, because it seems just like the Undertaker was at the beginning of his career, like just like some supernatural kind of, not necessarily like a, like a zombie type guy, but sort of like way out there to where like you need to give him a little more substance before you, you put a title belt on him. Well, I think that's down the line. I don't think it's going to happen like right now, but yeah. I think it's, it's definitely going yeah. to be, be happening. All right, so next up we have Cody Rhodes versus Ryback. Ryback winning versus Pinfall. I kind of skipped this match. Uh, Donnie? Yeah, actually, I kind of skipped it, too. It's like watching a Divas match. But Ryback actually won. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, and, and that was, in and of itself, noteworthy, I suppose. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was kind of a throwaway match. and it, it, You know, it's, it's a shame because Cody Rhodes deserved more than this. Yeah. Right. I mean, isn't it just leading up to more of him breaking away from Goldust, that kind of thing? Because otherwise, why else would you let Ryback win a match? I mean, <laughs> why? why I mean, I, I, like, I, I can't remember the last time he's actually won, won, won a match on his own. You know, it's, I, anybody else? I can't think of it. I, yeah. yeah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, we had the single day mile celebration by... Uh, anyway, let's just skip that. That just sucks. Uh, Kofi Kingston versus Alexander Rusev. We already talked about that. So um, I think Rusev would be a good opponent for, um, for Sheamus, actually. I think they could probably put some good matches together because both pretty big, tough guys. And you can see Sheamus actually giving uh, Rusev a run for his money. So, I like that idea, James. I really like that idea. Uh, next up, we have Daniel Bryan versus Alberto Del Rio. Um, I thought this was pretty good. Um, you know, by submission, that's pretty good moves. Bryan, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, anytime you get like two guys like that in the ring at the same time, it, you got me hooked. I love seeing Del Rio in the ring, but... I, mean, I think he's so, very underrated in terms of his abilities. Yeah, I think the only problem with him, like, they, they, uh, he was, like, shoving down people's throats, and he just wasn't a Credibles champ at the time he got it, but... Um, 
mean, mean, probably a lot of guys they introduced around that same time, like Sheamus and, uh, of course, Puerto Del Rio. And, uh, hey, yeah. Sheamus, be- Sheamus beating Cena for the title was like a shock. But anyways, just to get back on, I love seeing Daniel Bryan get another match and like, get another win. And, you know, I just, I, I was, I'm, I, somebody take over. I'm saying the same things over and over again. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, you know, I like seeing Del Rio finally in a in a main event. You know, it, it was a good spot for him, and he deserves that sort of, um, he deserves that spot, especially with a guy that he meshes with, with like Daniel Bryan. I don't think that that would be a good main event feud, because I don't think Del Rio's been built up enough for that. Uh, but I do like the match, and I like the things that they bring together. Um, they have a lot of chemistry. Um and, and I don't know whether that's because of their styles meshing so well, the Mexican style meeting the real technical style. Usually that works out really well. Um, maybe that's what it is. But, but it was very good. I, it was very, very good. And, and it actually, for a half second, I was like, Delio might win this thing. By some kind of, like, screw job, you know. But, uh, but all, obviously, you know, it's the champ wins, and I'm happy with it. My goodness, the car won't start. Uh, no, it starts now. And then Kane's in the back seat. Oh my goodness, we gotta kick him out of the car. And then you know, close to do a vehicular homicide on this guy. I mean, it's just like, come on, just leave it in the ring, guys. Leave it in the ring. You know? Yeah. You have an awesome like he had like you know peaked up and was like, are we there yet? And <laughs> tried to attack somebody. I mean, fantastic. That would've been hilarious. But then again, you know, like wonder why there was a camera following them in the car for like miles outside their. Then again, they're on Total Divas, too, so who cares? Anyway, I think having, like, Brie Bella as uh, Daniel Bryan's, like, ballet or whatever, like, having your wife down there, and, and uh, yeah, it's good for the, the, the Kane view because you know, there's something for Kane to attack, which Daniel Bryan will do everything he can to, to save her, but I don't know. It just makes Daniel Bryan look really wussy and really weak, and I don't know. I, I think anytime you bring your wife to the ring and she's your on-screen wife, too, yeah. it, it's just, it just doesn't work. They're, they're, no, they're no savage in Elizabeth. Yeah, uh, definitely not. They're no savage in Elizabeth. I mean, look at the... the, the, the um, like like uh, Steve McMichaels and Deborah McMichaels. Yes. And Stone Cold Steve Austin and Deborah Austin. And... Uh, Gold Dustin. Gold Dustin Marlena. Yeah. Yeah, Gold Dustin Marlena. Um, and... Um, oh, goodness. Uh, Damien Dallas Page and Kimberly Page. Actually, that worked pretty well. Um, but, yeah, for the most part, just, I don't know, just don't bring your wife to the ring. It's just... It's gonna end in divorce. Ooh, under, yeah, Undertaker and Sarah. There you go. Oh god. Well, she actually like looked realistic too. So, like, I could probably do. I could probably get Sarah. But anyway, uh, moving on. Moving on. Uh, I got a rant there. Um, we had the rematch of Big E versus Bad News Barrett with Bad News winning again. Uh, I thought this was pretty good. Um, I'm looking forward to a Bad News Barrett title ring. Uh, Donnie, what you think? Yeah. Um, it's you know he. Biggie puts him over, and uh, and yeah, it's I, I agree, it's it's cool. I, I didn't think the match was anything remarkable, but uh, cool. I mean, it's, I don't have much to say about it. It, it, it really was kind of forgettable, other than the fact it's like, all right, well, he's still here. You're forgettable. All right, uh, Brian. I mean, just for the the fact that I'm, that Bad News Bear got that extra one the next night, it was it's great. But now you're like, well, who is he fighting next? That, that's that's the interesting thing. Yeah. Find out uh, next week probably. I'm sure that somebody will challenge him or pull something out. Work there. Uh, all right. So uh, next up, we have something that 
actually entertained me. I don't think everybody like liked it. Was the Adam Rose debut? Uh, pretty much punking Swagger and um, Coulter. Um, they've been building up Rose since like WrestleMania at this point, and uh, I don't know what it is, but I love this gimmick. I think the gimmick is hilarious. He's just a guy who wants to party all the time, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so I think. I think the segment itself sucked, but I think the idea and what the, what Rose would probably do is going to be pretty funny. Uh, Brian, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm in line with you. Like, I, he's like a TMZ incident waiting to happen, I would think. But uh, it, it, you know, on another thing, I'm I'm glad it's him. And for whatever reason, if I could do it, I would pull any string possible and hold off on the Bo Dallas thing because his his vignettes are atrocious. I hate it. I don't want him to ever show up on TV. I can't believe um, that you can stand it, I guess. I don't know, Donnie? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's kind of like, the, it was almost like a little bit of Zack Ryder. <laughs> Just a little bit. Um, at least that's what it kind of reminded me of, like all the partying and, I, I don't know, it was just weird. Um, but I think, you know, I'll wait and see him wrestle before I before I make too many comments. Well, just remember, don't be a lemon, be a rosebud. There you go. But, I don't know, I think the whole the whole thing is just hilarious myself. But uh, that's just, like, my personal quirk. Anyway, speaking of personal quirks, I love it when the Shield and the Whites take... I mean, this is, like, three times these guys have hooked up with each other in, like, really decent uh, matches, too. Actually, I haven't seen the main event once, so what am I talking about? But still, I mean, we, we, I just wanted these guys to wrestle once and then wrestle three times. That's crazy. Um, I thought this was pretty good until, you know, eventually Evolution came out, and then they just pretty much curb-stomped these guys. Um, or Shield. Uh, what do you think of it, Donnie? Yeah, I mean, it was... Um... I these two were so good, like it, it's it really is. It's just, it's just so like bizarre that these guys are yeah the, the the teams are so good at the same time you know they're they're both dominant too. Well, one of the things that I kind of see it as most of these guys came up through the Indies together, even Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. Yeah. Um, and I think that kind of helps because they know each other already and and they they've had a lot of matches with each other even if not you know, um, so when they do actually get together it 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 shows that these guys have really good chemistry. And uh, the psychology behind uh, Ambrose especially and uh, Wyatt, Bray Wyatt especially, um, really stands out because those two, that's really what they do the best. Uh, and then you have just the raw physical nature of the other four guys. Uh, it's just, man, it's a perfect, perfect blend. And all these guys were from NXT too, which just shows how awesome NXT has been for bringing up um, you know, new talent, which I think is a great, great thing. Uh, Brian, what you think? Yeah, like, you make a really good point, I, and I hate to reminisce, but you remember how awful the WCW power plant was? <laughs> like, what did we ever get out of that, but Goldberg and uh, that Big show. Sa- that Sergeant Parker guy, or whatever his name was. Big Show was a, was a, a, a guy, wasn't he? Was he a power plant guy? I, I, I think so. Maybe Dallas Page, but maybe he went back to the power plant because he was so bad. Yeah, well, it just kind of shows you, like, you know, you're, you're really only as good as your farm system is, and uh, WWE and WWF, for whatever reason, they've always had a good farm system, I think, um, so when they've been successful, they've always been able to pick out the next stars uh, and go with them, so uh, I wish this something that WCW didn't have, and that has ruined one of the causes why WCW you know, failed. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, let's see, going back to this thing, like, you, you knew that there was no way after being Evolution they were just going to, you know, get away and have a clean victory or anything like that. So while it was a fantastic match, you knew Evolution was going to come out there and, like you said, curb stomp the guys. And, I mean, they, they put the point home, like, it's far from over. Last night, 
to them was a fluke, and there's going to be more matches one way or the other. Yeah. But anyway, overall, I'd say the broad was pretty good. Um, nothing really, like, exciting, but nothing really horrible, so I'd say maybe a B-minus. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I'd give it a B-minus. B or B-minus. It was, uh, it, it held my attention, uh, and I really didn't get up that much to, to really you know, ignore it, so yeah, it was good. I also agree, B and B-minus as well, whichever one we, uh, throw a dart at and it lands on. Um, yeah, let's just go with B-minus. So, that concludes Raw. Uh, we'll do look forward to seeing what they're going to do next week when we'll actually get into some real stories. Um, so, our retrospective pay-per-view, uh, going back to the Attitude Era, is probably, like, the worst, like, the last, like, I think, crappy pay-per-view of that era, I think. Um, could be wrong, it's been a while since it's been in these pay-per-views, if any. But uh, we start out uh, King of the Ring match with Hunter Hearst Elmsley defeated Ahmed Johnson. Uh, and what I thought was was okay, but not great. Um, Donnie, what were your thoughts? Yeah, it was um, this time period. I'm so I'm so split on it um, because it's there was a lot of talent, and then there was a lot of not good talent. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. It was, there was a lot of, I mean, it was it was such a big, there was no middle class, let's go, let's, let's say that. <laughs> um, and uh, so you were either great, or at the time, you just kind of sucked. Um, and Ahmed Johnson, by this point, is just, uh, he was not good. Um, Triple H was coming into his own, and it, wasn't, it was quick, I think it was only, it was less than 10 minutes, so yeah, um, it, was, it was good. 10 minutes and 42 seconds. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I mean, it's only so many times you can just keep bringing a guy back from injury before the fans just lose interest altogether. And you couldn't keep Ahmed healthy. And, like I said, I think, I mean, Triple H was supposed to have won the King of the Ring the year before, so there was no way he was going to lose it this time. So, I mean, it's good quick, get it over with, and move on to the next one. All right, speaking of the next one, we have uh, Mankind, uh, newly faced Mankind, beating Jerry Lawler in what I thought was actually uh, way, way too damn long. What, what is Lawler still doing? I thought it was Jimmy Russell, Jerry Lawler just had these lazy pile drivers they did in Mankind. That just, dude, he just like put it between his legs and fell back. It, it was crap. Uh, Brian, what did you think? I mean, I, it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. I was surprised that they even had a feud. I'm like, yeah, I would have never pictured those two guys getting in the ring together at all. Yeah, King of the Ring, what happened, Donnie? Yeah, um, Jerry Lawler should... He, he should have never been in the match. Like, after the Bret Hart, and uh, remember, it was like him, like the King's Court against Bret Hart and his family or whatever. That was really the last time we should have ever seen Jerry Lawler in a ring because by this point, he he was not, uh, he wasn't a very good wrestler. And he never was very good at the WWE style. Um, I think he's very, very overrated in that sense. As a Southern wrestler in, in the USWA and Memphis, whatever, great. WWE, he forgettable other than his announcing. So this was just another one of those, like, a baller match? Okay. Okay, moving on. We had Goldust defeating Crush. Um, I remember watching this match, but I don't remember anything about this match, except that Gold, I was kind of surprised that Goldust won. Um, yeah, what did you think about it, Donnie? Yeah, because Crush was, like, the most natural fit in the Nation of Domination. <laughs> Um, yeah. All minorities, so it kind of works. It was, oh, he was Hawaiian, he wasn't he? was Hawaiian, and then those guys are really put down, to tell you the truth, man. Shaka, shaka. They, they actually have, like, their own, like, the liberated Hawaii, uh, too, so. I am totally out of that loop. But, uh, Clarence Mason was there, it's good to see him. It's good um, to see him, one of his 
Sure. Yep. And yep. He's, there, he still practices law, by the way, he over does. in uh, yeah, down in Florida. Yeah. Yep. He's he's around. So, um, the reason I went to law school. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it was not fit. You must have quit. Right. Uh, but it was you know. It, this match kind of it, it sucked. <laughs> like it, to me, it did. Like it just didn't do anything. I I, I don't know if you guys ever watched South Park, but if you don't, if you check out the giant Cocker and Chewbacca <laughs> defense, it's fantastic. <laughs> yes. yeah, like, right. Chewbacca is a Wookiee. No, but, um, yeah, I, I'm, like I said, I, if you uh, saw my list from last week, I am not a fan of Crush, so, Rona, or however he says it, but, you know, anytime that he's in the ring, whatever gimmick he's got, I always like the other person, so I'm glad Goldust got a win. For shame. All right, we go to the next match, which is the Hart Foundation, Owen Hart, British Bulldog, and Jim Lee, and Bill Myhart, all brother-in-laws. That's kind of cool. Um, defeated Psycho Sid in his last WWF pay-per-view match. Thank goodness. Um, and the Legion of Doom, of course, Hulk and Animal. Um, this match lasted about 13 seconds, 13 minutes and 37 seconds, and um, I thought, for the most part, this was was, was okay, but I don't, I don't know. This just Something that didn't click in this match at all. They didn't feel like there's something. Something just didn't feel right. Um, what do you think, Ryan? Well, I mean, for me, like, there's so many bigs in the match, and no offense to LOD, but they weren't exactly in the prime of their careers at this point. So it was just like a lot of stiffs and Owen Hart. <laughs> so you know, I had Owen Hart trying to carry the whole thing, and it's you can only go for so long trying to carry Sid and LOD. Yeah, this was the point in their career, sadly, that the British Bulldog was was way past his prime. He was more roided up than he was, you know, still a functional wrestler. Um, Jim Neidhart had a lot of issues outside of the ring. He still does. Uh, and he was never very good in the ring. I I've, I am <laughs> I do not like Jim Neidhart. Um, so him and Psycho Sid were like, oh, my gosh, they're going to be in the ring at the same time? Like, <laughs> he just got... Right, and then Hawk, you know, had his demons. So really, the only guys that were clear-headed in the ring that I know of uh, were Owen Hart and Animal, <laughs> um, which doesn't exactly bode well for a successful match. So it was 13 minutes long, like he said, and I think it probably could have gone half that and been better. But uh, you know, eh. um, they weren't the real Hart Foundation. Definitely not. I missed the original Hart Foundation. Anyway, uh, so finalizing the uh, King of the Ring tournament, we have Hunter Hearst Helmsley defeating Mankind, um, which I actually thought was match of the night. Um, I thought they, but you know, both of them were pretty much. Uh, Mankind's just at the peak of his career, and Triple H was getting there, so they put him in one heck of a uh, match. He had uh, China there interfering with the whole thing, and Mankind was suddenly becoming the face, and uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley was uh, the heel, so. I thought it was pretty, pretty good, and uh, the fact that Triple H, well, Hunter herself, okay, what do we call him at this point? Hunter herself, Hunter. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway, so he won it, and uh, I think it's probably well deserved. I think at this point, this is where he, his career started to take off um, because DX is only a few months away. Uh, Brian, what's your thoughts? Yeah, it was it was good in that aspect because you you look at mankind, and he was getting that that push to become the singles guy, and they're. Their match at SummerSlam like was was fantastic, and then the whole Cactus Jack coming back on Raw to fight Hunter was was out of this world. So like this was the beginning of that feud, and he, like I said, 
He was supposed to have won the year before, but, you know, that whole kayfabe in the ring, and they gave it to Austin. So, you know, unless Hunter had gone out and slept with Stephanie in, in 97, he wasn't going to lose his job or the king of the ring. Tony? Yeah, as far as I knew, Savage was still tapping that back then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Savage. Uh, yeah, so anyways... Um, this was like the beginning. That's what I was thinking when the match ended. Was this is the beginning of him being the king of kings? You know, um, like this is where it all kind of goes back to is that first king of the ring title that he won and being able to you know pronounce himself as uh, as you know the king of wrestling. The ring. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, that was what it was. It was a long match, and uh, but it, but it was good. It was good for a long match. Uh, almost twenty minutes. Yeah, that was a very long match, but uh, still definitely worth it though. Triple H and Mankind uh, fully have great chemistry in the ring. I love watching those two guys fight. Yep. They couldn't be more different in their whole body styles and approaches, but it, it works. Yeah, Mankind is pretty doughy, while uh, Triple H is pretty, um, you know, just chiseled. Yeah. Okay, more chiseled. Like, he gets, the older he gets, like, the more buff he gets, too. It's, like, bizarre. It's like he's taking something. <laughs> he's on the and workout schedule. <laughs> All right, so next up we have Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold Steve Austin, who are tag team champions at this point. I think they, that didn't last very long. Um, fought to a double disqualification because they just kept on knocking out refs, and so Earl Hebner was like, no, you can't do that, and ended the match. Um, this whole thing, just, it, it felt like they're trying to push both these guys to hate each other or have some kind of animosity or be respected to each other, but it just falls flat, if you ask me. Uh, Donnie, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think Michaels had a lot of demons at this time as well. This was not long before he got, I guess he got into DX and then he was gone after that. So it was weird for somebody that I love like Stone Cold and somebody that I love like Shawn Michaels to uh, to really not have as much chemistry in the ring as you would think. Yeah, it was kind of surprising. Well, they, they really haven't wrestled that much in pay-per-view. And uh, um, this was like, I think their last time of pay-per-view until uh, WrestleMania 14, so... Yeah, yep. But uh, it was, you know, I actually didn't really. Care. I mean, I give the match like a B minus. Like it was, it was all right. Yeah. It was, you know. It, it was. It was good. The crowd was into it, but the story behind it is like. It didn't yeah. Really feel right at all. Yeah. Uh, Brian. I mean, you mean the whole uh, the Heart Foundation wanted them to beat each other up, so they beat each other up. I mean, if if they were really trying to take it to the Heart Foundation, you could do the finger poke of doom. <laughs> but, but I mean, for what it was, I thought you know it, they were doing their. I thought they did the best under the circumstances of a crappy angle to begin with. Um, I, I thought maybe they were trying too hard. The whole like what Special Olympics kid? I don't even know if that was intentional or not. Like, did, did he get? Did he go over the railing, or is that just like he was already standing there? Like, oh shit, this kid's out here. We need to get him out of here now. Like, um, I, I don't, I don't I know. Do you? What the story on that is like, there's got it, it's got to be out there on the internet somewhere. But but it's certainly one of the weirdest like. Oh, there's Shawn Michaels being like a hero, <laughs> you know, like a, a legitimate, you know, like he didn't have a choice. What a weird, surreal moment. Yeah, and I, and I thought that maybe Shawn was like trying to prove that he could put on a better match with Stone Cold than Bret Hart could, which did not happen, and not even close. But for what they tried to do, they did the best they could. I, I couldn't, you know, snub my nose at it completely. All right, well, uh, that brings us to our main event, which is The Undertaker. Uh... WWF champion defeated Farouk with fourth destination domination, and uh, I thought this was okay, but man, the whole like Farouk does not deserve a title shot even at this point. They were just really giving shots to anybody, um, and uh, 
match itself wasn't that great, so, uh, yeah, it was alright. What you think, Donnie? Yeah, it, same here. It, I, it kind of is crappy. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it just, Undertaker deserved better. And Ron Simmons was good in the early 90s, but I think by this point, he, I don't know whether he had, had injuries or whatever, but he was really limited. Um, and then, of course, at the end, we get our uh, our hero, Ahmed Johnson, coming out and hitting the Pearl River Plunge, um, which was just sort of, you know, <laughs> okay. So... I don't. I mean, under I feel bad for Undertaker during this phase of his career because he really didn't have much to do. So they just kind of kept putting him with random people. I mean, he could only fight Vader so many times. So uh, speaking of which, I think that's going to happen this week. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Um. Yeah. To be fair, I thought it was it wasn't as bad as I originally thought it was going to be. I thought the the best thing was before the match when uh, Farouk said, "Don't worry about Paul Bear's blackmail. Worry about this blackmail." Like, I thought that was kind of clever, you know, for what it was. It's funny because he's black. It's true. Uh, uh, uh. No, but, I mean, it, it set the seeds for Kane's arrival because Paul Bearer was back blackmailing Undertaker with the new... And set Kane on fire in the basement, maybe? I don't know. I'm just assuming. I mean, I read the tabloids. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, the match could have been a hell of a lot better. I feel like they robbed the Undertaker of a really good title run because his best match was the match he lost at Bret with the Bret Hart SummerSlam. Yeah, mm. yeah it's kind of yeah, that's pretty much a really murky point right now because they have a lot of up and comers, um, but they just can't push him to have the belts at this point. So it's you know the next oh goodness like uh, Undertaker, then it's Bret, then Sean, and like their their title reigns are just so almost feel cursed to some degree if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they put on an Austin, it finally feels like really they're finally putting on a new guy because uh, these guys have been champions before. And they're finally pushing somebody new, and uh, everybody gets excited about that, and then it really kicks off the edge there. So, all right, but uh, overall, I give this pay-per-view a C minus. Like, um, Donnie Brent, would you guys have actually bought it in, back in the day? Nope. Nah, I would have bought another WCW pay-per-view where Hogan didn't, you know, defend the belt. So. Uh, I mean. Don't get me wrong, I'd have chipped in five bucks at Sean Kelly's house, but <laughs> otherwise, that's a private joke. Uh, that, that's, where, that's where we used to watch wrestling at the end. Over back in the day, James and I, and a bunch of old people we went to high school, we would all get together and throw in money in a pot and watch it at this guy named Sean Kelly's house. And that's pretty much the kind of pay-per-view that we'd see there. Um, this was just a hard time in wrestling because it was so uh, bipolar. It was either this, a C-minus show, or it was an A-plus show. Yeah, uh, and this was just a stinker. Anyway, hopefully uh, next week uh, you guys want to do Canadian Stampede. Oh, yeah. Ooh. So I'm actually looking forward to that one because everybody says that was like one of the best pair of reviews in 97. So that's only two hours long, and maybe we'll survive it. All right. So, that can, uh, so we're moving on to our what-if storylines. What uh, what if so something happened during something? I don't know. I'm not a big, big what-if kind of guy, but I did my best. Uh, but, Brian, it was your idea, so why don't you start? Yeah, I mean, I, I know it wasn't exactly the most popular list, but I figured there's a lot of things that, that happened one way or the other that maybe we weren't a fan of. I mean, and if you could change it, why not? And uh, I guess I, there's no real particular order as far as like what I thought was more important than the other, so first one I was going to give you is, uh, I guess, WrestleMania 10. Like, I know that they had uh, the two title matches, there was like Luger against Yokozuna, and then Yokozuna fought Bret Hart, but for me, 
considering how over Lex Luger was, he should have beat Yokozuna. And even if Bret Hart was going to win the, the title at the end of the night and feud with Owen, they should have had Luger clash with Bret Hart and it would have been a way better main event. Because killing a, Luger losing that match the way he did killed his momentum and then like no one cared about him for the rest of the time he was there and he was happy to go out the door. The Lex Express was out of gas. <laughs> uh, it's making me red, white, and blue thinking about that. <laughs> God. All right, enough puns. Donnie, what was your number five? Uh, my number five was WWECW. Uh, bringing ECW back was it was uh, controversial at the time. In retrospect, I didn't hate it, uh, but I think that there were things that they could have done that would have been better. Um, it was nice to have a platform for somebody like Mark Henry, but there was too many, like, Big Show was involved. In it. It, it should have been lightweights and, and more extreme type guys. It should have been like ECW. They should have made more of an effort to have more extreme matches and more uh, raw wrestling types. Um, you know, it really led to, I think the best thing about uh, ECW at the time was, for the very short period of time, Chris Benoit was there. Uh, and as well as John Morrison. I, I thought those guys would have been perfect for that mold. Um, and uh, they didn't really do that. It, it eventually became like the Bobby Lashley show, and then Big Show, and then Vince won it, and it, it just it turned to crap really fast. I would have booked it differently. I would have signed some old ECW guys, you know, maybe put like a Just Incredible or somebody in there, and uh, <laughs> maybe not him. But you know what I mean. Like it, it, it would have been more... Uh, it would have been more of a uh, its own thing than than just a a, a, a C show. Yeah. All right. Well, um, so my number five, I guess, really is a storyline thing, but more of like an overall feel of a character. Uh, back in two thousand five, WrestleMania. Oh goodness, we have too many WrestleMania uh, twenty one. Uh, John Cena won the title um, from uh, Bradshaw JBL, and um, they. Change his character, like they change his theme music, they change his ergonomics. You know, everything we loved about the character and put him over was was changed, and it became this like super Cena character. And uh, I just wish they would do something. They, they they kept the original attitude of him and the original uh, you know fugginess about him too. That's what everybody loved, and uh, you know, that's the reason why half the, the WWE fans have turned on him because he just became kind of a, such a sellout in that character. I you wow! I didn't expect you to go anti-Cena route <laughs> that. Took all the you, you took it took it away from me. No, that's fine. Um, yeah, I I, I agree with you. I felt like they, they rushed him a little too soon on that one. To be honest. Um, and by the way, Donnie, I, I like your idea because I think Justin Kreble likes working out of Olive Garden. So any type of job for him is better than no job at all. <laughs> um, another one. Is I mean it was last year, but I kind of felt like CM Punk should have been in the main event with uh, Cena and The Rock for the title, yeah. because he had had the belt for so long and he had get and he had lost to The Rock at the Rumble. Fine, I mean ha- so be it. But the way he had carried the company for that long, he should have been in that match because it would have been a really good dynamic. Because I mean, to be honest, I know sometimes the WWE character fans, but. You say once in a lifetime, and you make a DD that says once in a lifetime, 
maybe you should actually stick to it and make it once in a lifetime and just made it a triple threat match. Cena could have still won, but they should have had Punk in there to, to make it a little more interesting. Yeah, that's that is a very good point, and and I think, um, well, I won't say too much because I'll talk more about that in a minute. <laughs> I was like, Donnie, you're uh, number four. Uh, my number four actually is not the one we just kind of touched on, but it's actually a different one. <clears throat> it's uh, the, the Ultimate Warriors WCW run. Um, this was just mishandled from the beginning, and and it was there was potential here for something huge and something awesome. Um, but you have to leave out, like, the Disciple and the Horace Hogan and, like, all these, like, D-level players that are being surrounded in this huge... This should have been something much bigger. Um, the One Warrior Nation being the absolute antithesis of the NWO, even in spelling, um, it just could have become the thing that ultimately destroys the NWO. The whole thing is you would have to have Warrior lead a team and not just do it by himself. Um, you would also have to have Warrior tone it down um, because he was out of his mind on those promos, God rest his soul. Uh, and then that final match at Halloween Havoc should have never taken place because it should have never gone that far. It should have been a team match and not a one-on-one encounter. Um, they didn't need to do that because neither of them uh, belonged in a wrestling ring at the time. So uh, what I have done differently, I would have still brought Warrior in because I thought it was a great idea to bring him in. Uh, but they dropped the ball with bad booking, and it was it was just awful. Yeah. I see. I thought you were going to say maybe like if they had given Hogan better flash paper, it wouldn't have been so bad. <laughs> yes. God. Oh man. Okay. Well, um, my uh, number four uh, was actually. The Undertaker streak ends with the second meeting with Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania. Uh, Undertaker actually drops the streak, which you know should have died around this same time. Um, sure, he probably would have taken away a couple of good matches from like Triple H and whatnot, but I, I think that putting over Shawn Michaels, I think, would have been the biggest like thing for Undertaker to do. Um, and also, um, you know, giving Shawn like a, a good go out in good note, winning the match as opposed to losing the match. So. That's just my opinion, and I think that uh, yeah, I agree. would have been really good. <laughs> no, it's, it's a very, very, very good point. Um, all right, for me, I guess for a third one, is uh, Sting and Hogan from Starcade 97. Well, here's, here's the thing. Here's how I would have done it, and this would have been the best thing ever. First, uh, Sting wins, and normally goes over regular pin count. You never see Bret Hart whatsoever. But before that, what you do is, like, like the two months prior, like, was it, like, Halloween Havoc and World War Three? you have Sting wrestle at those pay-per-views. You have him, like, wrestle Hall. He beats Hall. Next pay-per-view, he beats Nash. And then when he, when he beats Hogan, not only does he win the title, but the NWO disbands forever. They can't get back together. And at that point, you're starting off fresh in 98 with Sting as your champ, no NWO, and everybody's trying to figure out where to go from there. It would have been no Wolfpack. And they might have survived like the company going under if they had done something right then and there. Wow, that's a very good point there. Um, don't we need this time machine and like kind of way to like convince people in WCW we should run it for, for a good year? Yeah, because I mean, remember how hot that was at the time? Everybody, everybody was talking about it. Everybody. Yeah, yeah. That, that sucked out so much wind. Um, yep. WCW, uh, Sting losing 
So I think winning it that way, uh, and then having to win, like, wrestle the next pay-per-view and win the belt back, and then losing it like, soon afterwards, too, is so yeah. sad. Just, it's, it, it left the consciousness after that. Yeah. And plus, when you have the Montreal screw job happening at the same point, and like, WWF was getting so much heat from that, people were watching it just for the, the stuff that was happening like, outside of the ring. It was great. Anyway, Brian, uh, not Brian, Donnie. Yes, my next one here is uh, Cena Rock 2. You know, <laughs> once in a lifetime, the, the great lie. Um, I would have gone, in, in that situation, I would have actually gone Punk versus Rock at WrestleMania, and I would have done Cena Taker. Um, because it looks like something that we never got, and I kind of would always have liked to have seen Cena Taker at WrestleMania. Um, and uh, you'd still have Brock and Triple H on the card, that'd be fine, but with CM Punk and Rock on that big stage, that would have done more to elevate CM Punk. Um, so I think that's how I would have gone. It just... Cena Rock 2, we didn't need it. It was unnecessary. It wasn't that it was bad, but we just didn't need it. No, it was bad. Yeah, uh, it was. It, and, it, and it's that point where they split the two matches, and thank God they didn't do a rubber match. Which one? Was that the one Miz interfered? That was, the C, that was Cena Rock 2, right? I don't know. I don't think I, so. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't watch the one of those. Or was that? Yeah, something. I don't remember. Hey, a Miz reference. Where's he been for a while? He's been in the real world. He's been filming the Marine 3. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. No, 3,000. Yeah. 3,000. Oh, All right. Next up, I have another CM Punk versus John Cena thing. Um, so when Cena Punk left the company as champion, uh, they had the tournament to have, like, the, was it the tournament? Yeah, it was a tournament uh, to decide the real champion. Rey Mysterio won. John Cena beat him. Like, the same night, it was the like, douchiest move ever. Uh, and then John, uh, CM Punk beats uh, John Cena at SummerSlam the next day, uh, later on. Now, they don't do it at SummerSlam. They, the CM Punk stays, you know, his real champion, and through, like, social media or, or regular media, he just taunts WWF, or uh, WWE, for, for months and months and months. And it just puts him over as being the real champion. Being one time, John Cena... Is still like you know their champion, and finally they meet together at WrestleMania um, for the belts. Screw the guy who won the Rumble, uh, he'll fight the uh, the world champion or whatever at that point. But I think that they, they have longer build up for that, and made it such a big social media thing, it would have got a lot more interest. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's that's actually uh, that's actually a really really good point. Um, they kind of, they kind of rushed Punk back like two weeks later, and you're like, oh look, they both have belts. Yay. Who didn't see that coming? I never saw Alberto Dorito coming. Yeah, but then your idea would have worked so well because it would have saved Punk from having to lose to Triple H's ego at Night of Champions. Um, <laughs> and thank God for that. No, um, the next one for me is, I mean, it's a little obvious, but it's Survivor Series 97, you know. And maybe, I mean, there's two ways you could go with it. Personally, for me, I would have found a way to restructure Brett's deal keep him around, and then he would eventually turn into the Undertaker where he wrestled like once or twice a year, but you know, screwing him over the way he did just didn't seem necessary. I mean, it, was, it spun the Attitude Era and without, with, that was like the single-handed moment where everything took off, but I mean, who's to say the company still wouldn't have been good if they had just let Brett win the way he wanted and leave the next night? I mean, I can't say for sure that the Attitude Era still wouldn't have happened with Austin beating Shawn Michaels, so... To me, screwing Brett, just, it's the most talked about thing, even today, even though 
buried the hatchet, but I would have just let Brett win and just uh, call it a day and let him like hand over the belt or whatever you want to do. But just the screwdriver didn't seem necessary. Indeed. Donnie? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I agree with that. Um, my I guess we're number two now. Um, I went with uh, the streak ending, not the Undertaker streak. I get it or uh, Goldberg streak ending. Uh, a cattle prod to Kevin uh, Kevin Nash that mind-numbingly stupid. Um, it should have been a younger guy. It, the the best way I can describe how that streak should have ended was in the early '90s when uh, when Razor Ramon was upset by the one two three kid. Nobody saw it coming. It took uh, nowhere. All of a sudden, this nobody beats one of the biggest names in the business at the time. Now. Obviously, with Goldberg, you couldn't have done it with a complete nobody, but there were tons of guys in the roster that could have had a major rub from that that needed it way more than Kevin Nash and his cattle prod. Uh, and I'm, I'm talking guys like Chris Jericho would have been a perfect candidate. Uh, even like even some like the flock, like have Raven do it, because all of a sudden then that would make Raven a huge threat in another faction being at the top of the, the food chain. Obviously, the bookers at the time... Um, as brilliant as they were, didn't have that uh, didn't have that much foresight. So the streak that lasted an entire summer, if if not longer, uh, came to a unceremonious end. And just like we saw with the Sting match, like nobody really even talked about it or cared after that. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so my, my one is also another WCW uh, uh, blast of the past, um, and how to end it at the NWO. And I think the, the real momentum for them that just died in 98. So I think that if they really should have done uh, st- uh, either in Starcade or in uh, War Games uh, some kind of team match, uh, NWO Wolfpack versus NWO Black and White or whatever. Uh, four versus four, five versus five, it doesn't matter. Just bring in every single guy you can. Just have a, like a one big last war. Uh, and then from the dust, you know, pretty much they just disband the NWO at that point. Like, have, like, the, uh, like Sting to be, like, the sole winner. And just like, okay, the NWO, it's done. Let's move on. Um, and they really, really, really needed to move on from that, that whole storyline. Like, they really needed to give it an ending at some point. That never mm. I like it. And, Donnie, to your point, I'm thinking, like, the equivalent of 1, 2, 3 Kid would have been, like, I don't know, Billy Kidman. That would have been yeah. fantastic. <laughs> Alex Wright. Oh, God. No, no. Yeah, and Alex Disco Inferno. Yeah. Oh, no. Big I said that's before he turned to Big Papa Pump. He was he right. He was out Steiner brother. Papa Papa. At least it wasn't. Yeah. Spider, this guy's I, I would have rather been Scott than wear that stupid thing that Rick had. It was, he looked ridiculous. Tall face. Yeah, well, I'm yeah well, anyway, so my last one, again, not necessarily an angle, but what I would have done is I knew when WCW was up for sale, I know that, uh, Bischoff had a group that was supposed to try to have bought it, and I think almost bought it before they pulled the rug out from underneath them and gave it to Vince for, like, you know, chump change. I mean, literally chump change. I mean, in their eyes, at least. So, for me, I would have given, I would have had Bischoff's group buy WCW, and they still would have had the contracts, the TV tapings, all of that. They may not have had TNT or TBS, but you know what they had? They could have gone to the USA Network, because Raw had jumped over to TNN or Spike TV at that point, so USA could have given Vince they'll screw you, put WCW on their network, and who knows how long that would have lasted. So, like, they could still be going today. 
Like, that's just something that I thought, like, would have been a fantastic thing to happen. Um, I don't know. I think that Hulk Hogan probably would have dominated that and then just ruined everybody's careers, but that's just me. Indeed. Donna? It would have been interesting to see what direction they would have taken had WCW lived, so to speak. Yeah, uh, the last few months of WCW definitely felt like it was, like, it was dying a slow and painful death because it was uh, like worse and worse and worse. It was hard to watch, yes. Yeah. so bad. It's like watching the Jeff Jarrett show, <laughs> which which concerns me about his new promotion, by the way. Um, so my final one is uh, another WCW one. Look at this. This is just all WCW. But this is actually a WCW, WWE thing. Uh, and that's the invasion storyline. If you're going to have WCW invade the WWF, don't, like, the biggest star you bring in should not be Booker T. Nothing against Booker T, but there were so many people missing. And it wasn't Booker T and Diamond Dallas Page that were the real problem. It was the fact that, like, Stone Cold joined them. Uh, uh, Rhino and, uh, what's his name, Steven Richard, or Stevie Richards, and I think Mike Awesome was there for a while. Like, it was mostly ECW guys instead of WCW guys. Um, and then, you know, I think Stone Cold switched and, and led the WCW. I, it was so weird. Um, and... It was just one, I think it was the most mishandled uh, gimmick of all time or storyline of all time because the, 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 the potential was huge. I mean, it, was, it, was, it would have put wrestling in, back on everybody's TV every single night had they done it right because that was how amazing that could have been. Instead, it was egos and jobbers and just everything bad about wrestling uh, in one tornado of a terrible, terrible uh, storyline. So, in, in fact, this storyline, I stopped watching wrestling probably for about five, six years over this storyline, just because it just it lost me. It's like I don't, I don't even care who, who is, who is uh, Johnny Stamboli? Like, who is this guy? <laughs> so, yeah. I the full of the Italians, part of the FBI. Are you sliding Sean Stasiak? Come on, a little on. bit. Stand back. There's a hurricane coming through. <laughs> Hey, they, here, here's another thing to consider. Without this, you have never had the starting of Billy and Chuck. Just putting that out there. Yeah, yeah. It's, thanks for putting that out there. Yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. Well, hilariously enough, my last one, too, is also uh, the Invasion Angle. And this is how, what I've heard, uh, is that they wanted to do, like, a WCW program and actually have WCW, like, talent and stuff like that and do it as a separate company. But Vince never fought anybody. Never found anybody who had the, uh, the the guts to go ahead and go forward and do another wrestling program. So he said, "Okay, we're just gonna go ahead and do the invasion and just do it terribly. We just just suck the whole thing." But this is how I would have done it. Um, he actually finds a way of making another WCW TV show, doing the Nitro somewhere else. They do it like Tuesday Night Thunder or Wednesday Thunder. I don't care. Or Wednesday Nitro, or whatever. And uh, have that be like pretty much the B company. Yeah, the stars are not going to be as big, but they're going to do their own thing. Um, and you, you also have the rights to ECW and do another ECW program uh, also, uh, either on you know Spike or, or some other network too, and have that be like you know kind of the uh, what NXT is today, the, the farm team. You put in you know, new wrestlers and you try them out, and you make it a bit more wild and crazier. Um, and then instead of having like you know. Um, in real life, having people jump sh- jump companies and jump ships, 
you could do that between the different companies. Something they kind of did, try to do a SmackDown and, and Raw later on, uh, but actually have, make it a bit more meaningful because it's not just you know uh, and the same promotion. It's a different promotion. So and so is leaving this, or so and so shows up in one promotion, and or like Sting shows up and he gets in a fight with Booker T, and now they have a feud now that goes between the promotions, and you can do champion versus champion. So I think that would be an even better idea of what they did with the invasions. Made everybody WCW look terrible. So you could have done a WCW Saturday night. The mothership. You know, yeah. I'm going to punch both of you guys through Skype. Where's the, where's the punch button? <laughs> oh, can, can I get some more dusty? Oh, I like, I like that. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, I posted on the YouTube channel, there is a hilarious Dean Ambrose impersonation of Dusty Rhodes uh, for the, uh, the Shockmaster gimmick. It is hilarious. <laughs> Dean Ambrose yeah. doing, doing Dusty uh, Rhodes. He's perfect. He's better than what anybody else could do at Dusty Rhodes. He's, he's phenomenal. I think the man's got class and talent. If you will. No, but, you know, like, the, the the real story behind the whole thing, I don't know if you guys were tracking it, but they had a WCW title match, main event in Raw. It was like Booker T and Buff Bagwell, yep. and it stunk the joint out. Apparently it pissed Vince off so much that he scrapped any idea of a WCW program because of Booker T and Buff Bagwell. So thank you, Buff Bagwell. You crapped on that idea. <laughs> I think I found the audio here of Dean Ambrose about the Shockmaster. Yeah, that was actually Dean Ambrose. That is, if you will. That is that was, that was great. Yeah, we were I'm going to polka dot myself to the paycheck line. Come here, Sapphire. Come here, Sapphire. Oh. Uh, Okay, super quick, you know, like, cause, like, I don't know if you guys remember the angle where Million Dollar Man bought Sapphire from Dusty Rhodes. Like, not, buy, not, 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 not in that you way. Him, you would buy him in Twiggy's and or Extra Marshmallow. I'm like, I don't condone. I was like, I'm not making a thing because Sapphire was black. I didn't mean, like, buy it like that. He bought it with money. Not in exchange that I'm just covering my own ass at this point. But no, he, he actually did her, he did him a favor. Like, take a, take a, if you will, get her away from me. When I, uh, when I lived in France, um, I was at a cafe one day, and the waitress was just being flirty because, of course, they want tips. And uh, she told me that uh, I could be her American dream, and I told her that she could be my sapphire. And the look on her face was so confusing that she was just like, maybe, like, she didn't understand. Like, maybe that meant something in English, so she just went back and was like, sapphire, sapphire. Uh, anyways, that's just an interesting American dream story for me. Maybe she knew one day you'd uh, be on a wrestling podcast. I know. If, if you're out there, uh, she was uh, at La Renard, which is the Fox, uh, in uh, Strasbourg, France. What's up? Hey, one last thing. Isn't American Dream like a female version of Captain America? Um, I, I don't know. Damn, I think you're actually right. They're part of the, uh, the Marvel uh, like M2 universe or something like that. They did the uh, Captain America's daughter. Everybody's kids in the future, and the future will have no robots and stuff like that. I don't know. Right, so, just a common man. Yeah. So wrestling, so wrestling comic books. Do we got a Dragon Ball Z reference in the house, perhaps? Oh dear! It's over nine thousand. Okay. Well, when we get nine thousand views, uh, which will probably happen in two thousand thirty at this point, um, yeah, sure, we can we can do a total DBZ reference. What's What's our view record, by the way? Uh, we are up to, between all the podcasts we have done, uh, 317. Nice. Wait, so, 
Did you added it up, all the episodes combined to be well, three it, it, it shows you that on YouTube, so that right. way we, uh, we get to know um, how many... What are our iTunes downloads looking like? I have no idea. I have no idea. I think somebody's putting up there, and uh, shout out to, to our boy Travis Slusher for, for yeah. that. Yeah, anonymous general manager, Travis. Yeah. Anonymous general manager, Travis. You know, I was going to use his because there's a, I have a running gag with him because there was that uh, SmackDown King of Roanoke, like when uh, Cena was getting his push for the WWE title, and, like, he actually touched Cena, like, when Cena came to the crowd, and I blame him for the fact that Cena's been on top for the last ten years. It's all trash. Yeah. He touched Cena well. Yeah, I mean, like, come on, me and him were on the WrestleMania 21 DVD. If you pause the preview to the JBL Cena match, you see me and him and his dad in the crowd. I'm just saying, we're famous. Yeah. I think at this point we should probably end the show before we start claiming more fame. Autographs. Uh, for the DB&J Wrestling Podcast, I'm Trevor Buckle Jim. Cheers, Shadow. Fast Guy Brian. And we'll see everybody next week via Skype. Bye.